Hi, this is Pastor Keith Joseph coming to you from First Baptist Church of Jackson, Georgia. Welcome to our weekly broadcast. We hope it speaks to you where you are in life. To learn more about our ministries, check us out at jacksonfbc.com. Now, we have been on a search together. Remember, we're trying to find the answer for the mess that's in our world. The mess is in the people in the world, right? Amen? And because of that, the Apostle Paul in his search, now look this way, the Apostle Paul has discovered what he believes is the most powerful, the most dynamic answer for the mess that's in the world. Now let me ask you this, what do you believe is the most dynamic or the most impactful thing that you've discovered in your journeys in this world that is probably or could be the answer for the mess that is in our world. Now look with me in your Bible because Paul believed this. He said in chapter 1 verse 16, he says, I am not ashamed of the what? Gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation. That means eternal deliverance to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and to also the Greek. I want you to know that from my earliest memories of my teenage years, this was drilled into me personally and corporately. God brought to our church a, a pastor from out west, and, and in the hills of Kentucky, a pastor from out west with, with cowboy boots on is kind of unusual, because usually they had work boots or mining boots, and so he came, and on his first Sunday, he stood behind the pulpit, and he had blue jeans on, and the little gray-haired ladies liked to stroke out. They had a deacon's meeting after the service. He had a big buckle on and cowboy boots, but I'll never forget that day because it was that day that God awakened my heart to the importance of not only knowing about the gospel, but knowing the meaning and the message of the gospel. He used to do this all the time, Brother Danny, in our teenage years. He would say this. He would say, now let me set this for you. He said, what if you happened up on somebody and they had three minutes to live and they ask you, how could I get to heaven? What would you say? And he would come out of that every, almost every week for those teenage years. He would ask that question, and he'd always illustrate it like he'd begin. You know what's about to come. He, he would do that like there. Can you all do that with me if you got that one one hand? Come on, do it with me. Even those of you got arthritis in there, all right? Listen, three for three. He would say that if you had three minutes. So, so let me ask you this. If you had three minutes. Could you, could you really lead someone to a saving relationship with Christ? Now, now, hang on here for a moment. Well, are you? When, when I turned, I think it was either 19 or 20, my pastor and our whole congregation was, was always involved in caring for people. And our pastor, uh, they had started a volunteer fire department. Anybody ever been a part of that in your lifetime? God help you. Thank you. Some of you have. And, and I, I joined the volunteer fire department. But Mike, if you could hand me those illustrations this morning. I joined the volunteer fire department because what 19-year-old man would not like to fight fires, right? Am I going to get an amen for that? Uh, Brother Mike's coming. My, Brother, Mike, Brother Mike was in fire service for years, and this is a what? Uh, Andy Griffith was asked by Barney Five. He said, what do you do with a hose? And Andy said, you fight fire with a hose. 
Well, when I joined the fire department, my purpose was, I thought, was simply to do this, was to justify fires. And you know, we, we use hoses. Sometimes it'd be a quick fire. We'd use something like this as well. But you know, I would later discover in my life that that was not why that you joined the fire department. It is really about not first aid, but saving lives. There, there, there was a night that, that I, I think I was 21. I was getting ready to go off to, to seminary. I'd graduated from the University of Kentucky. I'd surrendered my life to God. And, and th- there was a call that night, and I had risen to the position of captain, and I, I was in charge of the scene that night. And, and we got to a typical wreck in our community. But on this night, it was different because the car had thrown the person out of the vehicle, and somehow or another, that car had fallen on them. And when I got there on the scene, uh, uh, and, and, and they said that, that, that we had, Miss Sheila, just like you, we had a lady in our church who, 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 who worked and cared for people, and she understood just like Miss Sheila in the medical field. And when, when I came down on the scene to assess it, she looked at me, Brother Henry, and she did that. She didn't say one word to me. She looked at me and she looked at him and she went, as God is my witness, that's what she did. She went just like that. And in that moment, all those years of my pastor said, what would happen if you had three weeks, or not three weeks, three minutes to share with someone. This guy was underneath this car, and the blood was oozing out of, of, his, of his mouth, and he was within three to four minutes of eternity. And that lady was looking to me, and I saw the fright in that man's eyes. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, he said that he was not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. J.D. Greer, uh, in his message two years ago on this passage, asked this question, does the gospel leave you feeling ashamed, or does it make you eager to hear it? Now, over these these nine months, I I have discovered a lot of folks that, that I've met, and I've interviewed about the gospel and talked with them. And just really quickly, I want you to write some things down. I've come to understand this. First of all, some people, when they look at the gospel, it's foolishness. Write it down. They, it is foolish when they hear the gospel. Coloss, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. When they hear the demands of the gospel that they need to, to repent, and when they, when they hear the declaration that, that Jesus is the only way to heaven, and that not only to the heaven, but the only way to live here in lordship, when they hear Paul say, I'm slaving for Jesus, I'm a debtor for Jesus, I'm not ashamed, they don't get it. That's America. That is the church for the last two generations of many people. I've discovered people also this, that people, listen, they come to believe the gospel is useless. You say it becomes to be, write it down, it becomes useless for some people. It is the, it is the, the person that I met in their 20s who, who went to church, maybe a Baptist church, they didn't say where they went. They grew up maybe in a Awana ministry, prayed a prayer, got baptized in the baptistry. In the first year, two years of high school, they kind of liked it a little bit, but then they began to see other things. And by the time they were 18, they thought, man, this doesn't make sense to waste this many hours to spend this much time. And my parents have tithed all these years. What I really could do and this is a farce and that individual was honest with me and they said I have no use for the gospel and no use for the church 
Do you know anybody that way? My heart grieves this morning for some juniors and seniors in our own church now who are just kind of moving away because something did not click with them. I've met other people that the gospel was handy for them. Write it down. Some people it was handy because, you know, I don't want to go to hell, Brother Danny. Who does? You know, I, I might need the church, and so I want to get married, saying someday, so I'll need the church, and, and so I need somebody to bury me. Or what if I lost my job? I need the, the church to pay for that. So I meet all kinds of people. Some people say it's foolishness. Some people say it's useless. Some people say it's handy to have around. Now, this next one is where what more people are. It just makes me feel good. If you ever, if you ever have been into, into Texas, into, a, into an Olstein church, you'll, you'll say that gospel feels good. And you say, what do you mean it feels good? Well, it feels good when somebody says, just pray this prayer, you're going to heaven. Wouldn't that be great? Anybody want to sign up for that today? Watching online? Just sign up for praying one prayer, and you're good for life. That's sadly what I'm discovering in America. You see, I thought this, that that surely if I prayed a prayer when I was a little boy, that, that, that Jesus would extinguish hell for me. That's all. That's why He came, was it not? Was that not why it came? And so that you could, could be secure in your heaven and, and that you would never have to worry about going somewhere else or, or living a life caught up in the hellish things of this world. And some of you is like, I don't, I don't know, Pastor. Well, hang with me now. I want to add one. It's not on the screen, but I want to add this one to you right now that I was thinking about this this week. The gospel is too demanding from a lot of people. In 2017, David, David Jeremiah, speaking at a conference, said this, that in his church that many people don't come to Christ because of the problem of morality. See, the problem of morality in America today is this. Either the church has to say this, we're redefining sexuality, we're redefining morality, or we stand in the truth of the gospel. You see, if I'm about just putting out spot fires, all I can do is this. Well, now, people don't want, they don't want the true gospel, so I'll just do this. I'll say, you can go to heaven, and so I'll do that, but then nothing ever changes about their lives. But I discovered on that night all those years ago that Keith Joseph was not called to put out fires. I was called to save souls. I was called in my life. At that time, I owned a service station. And listen, I'm not preaching today about you selling out and, and going to somewhere and being a missionary. That may be, but listen, Jackson, Georgia's lost. And we're trying to put out fires. And God says, that's not the issue here. And so Paul says here in this passage, notice what he says, for it is the power of God Now listen, write this down. Dynamite opens the way for something else. When I first read this and heard about dynamite, dynamite's destructive, is it not? Dynamite will destroy your life, but that's not what Paul's referring to here. What he's saying is is this, that when the gospel is, listen to this, the message is given correctly and people, people receive it correctly, it opens the way. Would you agree with that? I don't want to embarrass anybody with your testimony or call anyone out, so I'll call Paul out. Paul in Acts chapter 9 was the most wicked of men in the world. He was murdering Christians. He was, a, he was inciting riots. Uh, he was persecuting the church. He was an arrogant the man who was going up the ladder of religion, but on the road to Damascus. The Bible said that the light came from heaven. And dynamited all that away. Has anybody in this room had that experience? See, sometimes people, oh, you're a preacher, you ought to be that. Friend, listen, God dynamited something out of my life. 
He opened a way so that my life would not be ruined and wasted and so that soon to be 29 years I'd be married to the same woman in the same household and to be by mine still as it should be and not wasted but believing my best years are still ahead because God changed my life. That is the power. But for most of us, all that we can say is this. Well, preacher, I'm I'm just like you. Why are you so serious about it? Preacher, I'm, I'm good to go. But friend, listen to me. If it has not changed you, it made you into a person who with your life, through your kindness... Through your actions and your deeds, that is, that is, listen, that is pointing people to a living, saving relationship with God. Friend, all we're doing is putting out fires. You say, preacher, what's, what are you preaching today? Here it is. It's the title of the message. The gospel always works. Three quick discoveries, and I, I think God's going to bring it home for you today. Is that three quick discoveries. I want to talk about the war of the gospel. I want to talk about the, the way of the gospel. And I want to talk with you at the end about the wonder of this gospel. Let's talk about the war of the gospel together. Listen, if you're here without Christ today, there's already a war staring within your heart. There was a war in my heart. Brother Carl, war in your heart before you got saved. When Paul said, I am not ashamed, do you realize that in the Bible, 190 times in the Old Testament and 46 times in the New, this word is used. And it's always used like this, either for the mental or the emotional state. Do you know that the war of the gospel is in some people's minds? Well, it's been said for many, many years. For other people, that it's war in their, their emotion. In other words, in their head and in their what? 18 inches journey. For some people, they get emotional. I want to respond, but it never becomes in their head, and so they never live it out. Other people, it's in their head, but they refuse to repent of their sin. And because of that, friend, there is this war that's always there. You say, you don't believe me? Well, the leaders of, of our community groups have a, have a commentary by Tim Keller. And in this commentary, he points out four reasons why people are ashamed. One is this, some people are ashamed because the gospel says we're such spiritual failures that the only way we can be saved is through a free gift. But when we say that, that offends people. But you know why? Because if they, they want a, a gospel that's a decent gospel that says, well, I'm okay I'm not bad as the next guy. I know I need to pray and I need to be baptized, but that's not salvation. Write this down. All sinners are in need of a Savior. Is that true? Romans 3 and 23, for all have sinned. Has that ever happened to you that you've awakened to that, that, that it's not other people that are the mess? It's you that they're the mess. Watching online. It's not your spouse that's causing the problem right now. It's you that's causing the problem. It's not the teacher in the school. It's not the, it's not the principal. It's not the politicians, even though they have their own mess. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel because Paul knew that he was a sinner. Tim Keller says this, some people, when they hear that, they, that they're so wicked that only the death of Jesus can save them, that it offends them. Because they say, well, I was a good boy. I was a good young lady. I haven't done all these things. And so, so I'm okay. And I need to get in touch with my inner beauty. And there's nothing wrong with me. All I need to do is just join the church. I don't need to make any changes. And friend, when we have a gospel that is a fire hose gospel that says, oh, I don't want my child to go to hell. And listen, some of you are holding on to a moment in time. But right now, there's nothing in their life. 
that indicates that they've come to Jesus. You, you are holding on to a false belief. You are holding on to a, to a fire extinguisher and say, it's all right. Are you sure today? Are you sure in the fire hose of your life? Are you trusting in that? Are you saying, that is okay. My kids, are they're not perfect. But listen, I remember when they did this. Because I want you to hear this. When you go into a burning building as a fireman, your first responsibility is not to stop the fire. It is to get the people out. I was on search and rescue. was my main job to put on the SBC, SBA suit, suit and to go in and to look for people. I mean, people get brokenhearted over their dog. Went to a fire one night, and the, the lady was screaming. She said, my child is in there. My child is in there. We suited up in a full engaged house, brother, brother, and we went in. And all I could find was this one dog. Let me say something. I love animals, but I was upset that I'd put my life on the line. And some of us, listen to me are upset at the fact today that somebody has just told you that everybody is a sinner that needs a Savior. Write it down. Jesus has the power to save. There's much more here that Tim Keller could could share with us, but I want to tell you this today. When somebody meets the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul says that for salvation, that means of this, that God delivered them. You may not believe me today, but I want you to hear this today. The gospel is power. The gospel is power. You just ask a wicked and worthless man who's been touched by the gospel. He will tell you that he's been so transformed by the power of God that he walks in newness of life. He loves his family. He's making a difference in the world. And friend, today you ought to go home and tear up your friends, listen to me, their membership card and their baptism certificate if they're not saved. If that's what they're holding on to, you ought to go home and tear it up. You say, they're going to get mad. Friend, I'd rather be mad and get saved than to be comfortable at the end of a fire hose and not make heaven. This is, the, this is what America, again, needs in our lives. Some of you sitting right here today are members of the church for years, and the truth is, if you died today, you wouldn't make heaven. You say, but preacher, I'm doing things. I, I'm honest. I, I'm with the same wife. Listen, you're, it's, you're not living an exchanged life, you're living a religious life. John MacArthur puts it this way. He says this, that God is not talking about a change in behavior. He's talking about change in belief. That changes, watch this, your heart and your mind. Now let me tell you about the way of the gospel. The way of the gospel, not only the war, but the way. Here's what he says. He says this, it is for everyone who what? Who believes. The way of the gospel is, is a belief gospel. Uh, listen, this past Friday, I, I, I met a, a lady. I, I was out in another part of our, our, our state uh, doing, doing some ministry things. And, and she said, how are you? And, and brother, I said to her, I'm better than I deserve. It pricked something in her heart. Her mother had, excuse me, her grandmother had just died the week before. I said, well, tell me about your grandmother. And she said to me, Miss Lee, she said this. To me. She said, well, she said, when I was born, I was born in a military family. And my mom said she wasn't ready to raise a child. And I could see the emotion. And I said, aren't you glad your grandmother was there for you? And that just spurred a conversation 
with her and, and a common faith that her grandmother watched. Her grandmother loved her enough to tell her about the how of being saved. Listen to me. Do you know, really know, could you in three moments? Could you in three moments in, in the way? Now write this down. The gospel invites a person to believe with their mind and heart. You see, I meet people sometimes who say, I know about that religious thing. I know John 3, 16, for God so loved the... And here's what they say. If God really loved this world, why has He let it get in such a mess? That's a fair question, isn't it? You know what I share with them? Now, do you have, do you have uh, three minutes? Do you have three minutes? Do, do you, you, you have to because I have had time. Now, online, they can turn me off, but I hope you don't. You see, listen, when God created this world, when He designed it, it wasn't this way. These first two, first two people that He created, you know what He said about them? He said, Genesis 1.31, they were very good. There was no sin. There was no one dying. There, there was no rebellion in, in the world at all. There, there was God as the loving ruler of all, all of you, the universe. And there was Adam and then his wife Eve, and they were, they were leading and they were subduing the earth. But then Adam and Eve chose, did they not? A broken path. They chose to walk away from God. They chose, as, as we tell our children in our little one of our tracks, is that they chose to take the crown off of God and put the crown on themselves. I don't know if you've ever heard that or not. The Bible says, Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seems right on the man, but the way leads to death. Now, I'm not preaching some kind of pretty outline here. I'm just telling you what the Bible says is the gospel. And the Bible says this, that Romans 1, 25, that man began to cease worshiping God and started worshiping creation. He started worshiping animals and he started worshiping idols. And one of the biggest idols was himself. And he plunged himself into darkness, and the wages of his sin is death. And listen to me. We find the Bible says it was so wicked that in the days of Noah that God wiped everything away except one family. But here was the problem, that one family still had sin in them. And so when, when Noah came out of the ark, and yes, I believe that with all those animals, he brought the seed of Adam out of there with him, and he sinned. And so you know what God did in his love? He said, okay, I'm going to work with a man by the name of Abraham. And so he saved Abraham and said, Abraham, I want you to tell the world about me. And you know what the Bible says? For 42 generations, the nation of Israel was supposed to tell people how not to have a fire hose, but how to be saved. And they didn't do it. But can I give you good news today? God loved us so much that in our brokenness and all the ways that we try to straighten out life, try to make things better, and some of you know the truth of the matter is that you've, your life is better than before you became religious, but you're still not right with God. And the Bible says that Jesus came, did He not? Jesus came over 2,000 years ago, and Jesus lived a perfect life to be our example. Not only did He live a perfect life, but Jesus, listen to me, Jesus died not for His sin, but for mine. How could we forget that? Ephesians 1 and 7 says, In Him, meaning Jesus, we have forgiveness of sins through His blood. Jesus died in our place so that we could be forgiven. But not all that, praise God, so that we could, watch, be born again. John 3 and 3. 
And so that we, 2 Corinthians 5.17, we could be new creations in Christ. And you know what happens? What happens is this, watch, God designed us to be different. We walked away in brokenness, but all who repent, ooh, ooh, all who repent of their sin, all who repent of their sin, you know what happens? The Bible says God's righteousness is revealed. To be righteous means this, that you're free from condemnation. That, that, that no one can look at you and say, you're not right. Can anybody look at you right now and say, you're right. Can anyone look at you and say, there's nothing in your life that's, that's not right? In the sight of God, when someone repents of their sin, which means that you turn. 1 John 1, if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteous. Listen to me, that is the way. And when you do that, you know what happens to you? You kind of move now to circle back to God's design. The Bible says it this way, the old has passed away and the new has come. You see, here, here's the problem. You say, Preacher, I, 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 I did that. I, I prayed that prayer. But do, do you know what happens when you pray? When you genuinely surrender your life to God. See, there's the war, there's the way, but then there's the wonder of the gospel. The one, write it down, the wonder of the gospel. When Paul says these words in the text, he says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. And he says, from faith to faith, you could actually say this, from one person who evidences faith to the next person who evidences faith. Now watch this. Oh, I love this, brother. And he says, it is written from Habakkuk 2 and 4, the just or the righteous shall live by faith. Now get this. Here's the wonder. God revealed my need. It was straight from God. Does anybody remember that day? No, not, not just the moment, but the magnitude. The magnitude of that. On that day, God not only paid my debt, but He applied my debt. On that day, it was, it was good. paid in full. He brought my past to an end. He said to me, Keith, you are forgiven. And you know what he, then he said to me? Now you're mine. You're mine. You're mine. And when you come to, to belong to someone else, it's not a fire hose thing, folks. It's not a fire hose thing. You know what? Write it down. God is revealing right things to us. When you get right with God, you don't, no longer do you have to have your mama saying, now Keith, that's not right. You don't have to have a spouse to say, now you oughtn't to be that. You, listen, you didn't even have to have a church for that. Because now you are a child of God who you are connected to God. And the wonder of it all is that I would sit down and open this book and it would make sense. Am I talking right? I wouldn't be married to Sherry had the wonder of the gospel not affected me. I would have married someone else. I wouldn't be a Baptist preacher today had the wonder of the gospel not come in and changed my life. And today, listen, some of you are in a place now that every decision you make, God is an afterthought. Because the gospel's lost its power. Because you've gotten away from it. For some of us, it's this. Listen to me. Every day, write this down. God says, I've empowered you to walk in a right way. Can I tell you, I didn't get drunk this week. Somebody ought to be clapping their hands. I didn't watch porn this week. I didn't cheat on my taxes this week. I didn't flip somebody off with a bird this week. I even did most of the time drive the speed limit. And you know what I did this week? 
not as a preacher, but with a pair of blue jeans on and a, and a polo, I shared the gospel with someone as I've shared it with you. See, that's what happens when the gospel... Now watch this. And you know what God does? He extends grace when you blow it. He extends grace when you blow it, does He not? That's the power. For the just shall live by the faith. You'll, you will never, ever be perfect, but you'll live by your faith. You say, preacher, I, I know what you're saying is true, but, but preacher, I, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just keep my gospel right here, preacher. I'm saved. I don't care what you say, preacher. I'm saved. This is enough. This is enough. Well, here's what I failed to tell you. This is empty. This is empty. The type of gospel that some of you are holding on to was good for one use. Just one use. There's probably about 40% of the people that, Brother Danny, have prayed to receive Christ in the years that I've shared. But you see, listen to me. When you get, you, when you get the whole gospel, when you repent, and you believe unto salvation, and it begins to change every part of your life. Listen to me. You know what ha happens to you? Now you just start living by this. What's the songwriter say? The cross in the middle made all the difference. When someone sees me today, I don't want them to see that. When we hand them food, Miss Allison from our food pantry ministry, what we miss out so faithful in that. We, we don't want them to see us as a fire hose that simply says, here's enough food for one more month. I, we want them to have that, but we want them to see this. See, when you're in your job tomorrow, whatever your calling is, will they see this? See, when you just have this for one time, eventually the fires come back. Isn't it true? There's not enough fire extinguishers on the face of the earth to keep your heart from running back to from which it came. But this changes it forever. To learn more about our ministries, check us out at jacksonfbc.com.